Well, we're going to be looking at this passage in 1 John uh, chapter 1 today. 1 John uh, chapter 1 verses 5 to 10. If you want to look at that in the Church Bibles, page 1225. Now, we're thinking uh, during Lent about repentance. And as I said uh, last week, we were, uh, we're looking at Thomas Watson's little book, The Doctrine of Repentance, and using his ingredients of repentance. I've basically shamelessly stolen his uh, ingredients of repentance and uh, had a little series on it. Um, but the passages are uh, just uh, one part of the ones that he sort of suggested. Um, now, this week, we're thinking about confession of sin. The last time we were thinking about sorrow of sin, this time it's confession. Now, I wonder what you think of when you think of confession, what sort of images that conjures up in your mind. You know, do you think of these sort of crime dramas that you see, where someone has to sign a written confession, you know, yes, I did it, and I'll sign it, and I'll give that to the police. Now, that's sometimes what we think of with confession. Or do you think of, for example, uh, near where we used to live in Colchester, Outside uh, the church there was a notice board and on that notice board it said confession by appointment only um, which uh, always used to I found I used to find that amusing when we uh, when we went past um, but that sort of that sacramental confession uh, which is much more of a sort of Catholic and Anglo-Catholic uh, practice you know you confess to a priest and your your sins are absolved is that what you think of with confession now, what does the Bible have to say about confession? Because it's a very important topic, uh, not one which we talk very much about. And we confess, of course, each week in, uh, as part of the communion service, which we'll do in a few minutes. So what does the Bible say about confession? And I think this passage from 1 John is really helpful in thinking about what the Bible says about confession. So John, uh, he, he begins by uh, this passage by saying, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. So he's uh, talking about Jesus. And of course, John was an eyewitness. You know, as one of the disciples, we believe this was written by John the disciple. He knew Jesus well. He would have spent all of that three years uh, with Jesus. He would have known Jesus's teaching very well. He could tell you what Jesus taught. And this is what John is saying. He says, I heard it from the horse's mouth. I know what Jesus taught. So you need to listen to me and to the, he says we, this is the other apostles. Now he says you need to listen to what we say uh, because we have heard it from Jesus himself. And this is the message. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. I think what he means by that is in God, God is sort of the most truth and righteousness and, and love that there could be. That is what it means to be light. It's in every possible way God is light and there's no darkness at all in him, in, in any way whatsoever. God is just pure kind of light and, and love and truth and righteousness, all, all of those things. And so then he says, if we claim Notice here, he says, if we claim, he says this three times just in, in this passage here. And what we presume it was happening was that there were people in the church that he was, he was writing to who were claiming those things. So he's, he's responding to what they're, what they're saying. So he says, if we claim we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, 
we lie and do not live out the truth. So he says, look, if you claim to know God and yet you walk in darkness, and I think what he's especially got in mind here is in terms of truth and, and righteousness. If you claim to, to, to know God and don't walk in the truth and walk in righteousness, then actually you, you're deceiving yourself. You don't really know God. Now, it's what we call hypocrisy in these days. But, he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So he says the basis of our unity is knowing the truth and coming to God uh, in the truth and in light, in righteousness. That's the, the basis of our unity. So we're united to one another when we come to God in, in truth and righteousness. And Jesus' blood purifies us from all sin. We'll come back to that in, in, in a moment. So in this, uh, the second paragraph, he, he talks about uh, claiming again. He says, if we claim to be without sin. So there must have been people again who were there claiming uh, to be without sin. And um, uh, he says, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So he's talking about truth again, isn't he? Truth and deception. If we claim to be without sin, well, we're just, we're rejecting the truth, actually. But he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I think this is the heart, the kind of the key verse of what, of what John is trying to say here. This is the key verse, verse, uh, verse 9. And that uh, for, uh, confession leads to forgiveness and leads to purity. And he says again, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Now, if we claim to be without sin, what we're saying is to God is that you're a liar and his word is not in us. So this is the thing, that forgiveness requires confession now, in the same way that learning to drive a car requires having a car to start with. You know, you can't have one without the other. And in the same way that being forgiven requires confession. You know, you can't have one without the other. You can't have forgiveness without confession. It's a, it's a necessary part of, of the Christian life. So... Let's break this down and think about what this says about confession in the Bible, because I think there are a couple of helpful things that we can learn about what this says about confession. And I think this, this says that there are really two parts to biblical confession. And the first thing is acknowledging the truth. Acknowledging the truth. The truth about God. So John starts out, starts out by saying God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He's saying that's a, that's a true statement about God. And when we confess, what we are saying is we're saying something about God. No, we're saying, actually, I believe that God is holy, pure, righteous, perfect love, and all, of those, all of those kind of things. That's what we're saying. And we're also acknowledging the truth about ourselves and saying, actually, I don't, I recognise that I am not all of those things. 
You know, we recognise that actually we are sin, that we don't live up to God's standards, that we're not love and um, all of the, the, the kind of truth and all of the things which God is. Uh, if we don't do that, then we're deceiving ourselves. Now, we deceive ourselves about God and we deceive ourselves about, about ourselves. You know, we don't have that kind of self-knowledge of really, really uh, knowing and understanding ourselves. And these two things are, they, they go together. You know, they go together like, um, well, they're inseparable. And this is what Jesus said in uh, John's Gospel, John chapter 7, verse uh, 7. It says, um, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. Now, the point of Jesus coming was to die for our sins. And if you believe in Jesus, you need to believe that he came to die for sin and that you need to believe that you're a sinner. It's just part and parcel of what it means to believe and trust in, in Jesus. You can't have believing in Jesus and not thinking that, you know, thinking that we're not sinners. Otherwise, you're just um, self-deceived. So that's the thing, that if we know God, we know ourselves. We know ourselves to be sinners. And confession is just acknowledging the truth as it is, saying, God, I know you're holy, I know you're perfectly just and righteous and, and all of those things, but I know myself and I know that I don't live up to the standards which you set. I know I don't do that every, you know, every hour, let alone every day or every week. Now, that's the truth about ourselves, isn't it? So the first thing then is, is acknowledging the truth. The second thing is living the truth, living the truth. And you see this in the first part of the passage that we, we looked at, that uh, we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness. You know that what we believe and, and how we live should go together as well. And that's all part of it. It's walking the walk, not just talking the talk. And, you know, it's important for everything in life, isn't it? But uh, especially in this in life. And that doesn't mean leading a, a sinless life, because, as we know, we can't do that. No, we must strive for, for that. But what John isn't trying to say, when you come to Jesus, that's it, you know, never have to deal with sin again. That's not what he's saying here. What he is saying is that actually confession and acknowledging the truth should just be a, a daily part of our lives. Now, I always think of Jesus in, in the Lord's Prayer, which he gave us as a model for prayer. He says, forgive us our sins. And Jesus didn't expect us to say that once and then never have to say it again. But it should be just part of our daily routine. You know, coming to God in confession, acknowledging the truth, saying to God, I acknowledge that you are holy and I acknowledge that I, even in this last few minutes, haven't lived in the way that you wanted me to. And yet, we know that when we come to God in truth, that he is able to forgive. So I think confession is, is not so much an, an, um, an event. You know, like the Catholic kind of view of the sacraments, confession isn't sort of a, a thing that you, you do so much as an attitude that we have. It's not about coming to God um, for a particular thing, but it's about how we come to God. You know, we come to God in humility 
and we come to God knowing actually our, our place and knowing that uh, we don't deserve anything, uh, but knowing that um, he is holy and we need to, to come to him with, and kind of bow down, if you like, with our hearts bow down and uh, in that humility of, um, of life. So let's, uh, let's just, uh, as we come to the end, let's just uh, draw a few, few conclusions. I'd just like to suggest a few things for us to, to think about um, this week. I think the first thing is to beware of people who have an enlightened morality. And this is um, straight from what, what John says, really, isn't it? That whenever I read the New Testament especially, um, I'm just struck of how relevant it is to today's church because there are a lot of people in the church who are talking about um, how morals have moved on and we need to move on with them. And we need to base what uh, is true on what we know from the Bible, don't we? And this is, and God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. And how God wants us to live doesn't change. So that's the thing, you know, that knowing the truth means that we know God's truth about what's right and wrong and how he wants us to live. And we know that especially through, through the Bible. Sam Albury you may have heard of Sam Albury. He's written a few books and um, he writes particularly from the experience of Christians who, who experience same-sex attraction, which you know, the world would say gay. And uh, he writes from that sort of perspective. And uh, I went to a day with him doing some teaching a few, um, a few months ago and it was really helpful um, actually. But one of the things that he told a story about him working with um, a, a young man who had um, same-sex attraction and um, he was um, talking with him about the Bible they were reading the Bible together they were saying oh how do I deal with this and, and so on and um, what happened eventually was that, that this young man could not accept that God said marriage was between the man and a woman and that was where the, the appropriate context for, for sex he couldn't accept it and it got to the point where Sam just had to say, look, if Jesus himself was standing there and saying to you, marriage is between a man and a woman, would you believe it? And, and that's the thing, you know, that we all get things wrong all of the time, don't we? But the question is, are we prepared to submit to God when, he, uh, when his word is different from our expectations? Are we prepared to change our expectations, even when it's hard? And this is all part of confession, is saying, I believe, God, that I think your word is true, even if it's hard for me to accept, even if it, it means that I need to take the more difficult path. I believe in your word, and I believe that's best for me, to believe even when it's difficult. So that's all part of confession. And, and the final thing is just remembering who God is, and remembering who we are, when we confess that, when we confess God is holy, when we confess how, how far short we fall of, of the standards that God requires of us, it's at that point that we can receive God's forgiveness and grace. Now that confession is necessary, but God is gracious to those who confess their faults. Now as we say in the, uh, in the words, coming up in, in a moment's time, you know, his nature is always to have mercy. 
And, and that's the wonderful good news, isn't it? You know, when we acknowledge the truth, then God can step in. You know, when we reject the truth and we say, oh, you know, I don't need you, God, because actually I'm not a sinner. What can God do? He can't forgive us. But when we come to God and say, actually, I need you, uh, I know that I don't live up to, to where I should be, but I need you, then God says, I can forgive you and I can help you. But we need to come to him and we need to confess in order for him to do that. But for those who do, it is a wonderful um, time of healing. Amen.